0: Thank God today. And this is Pastor Adams, president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you once again for the privilege of being host in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered unto the saints, according to Jude 3. And we're going to be embarking upon a very important brand new area of exposition. But before we get into our study and exposition today, we want to just pause and pray. Now, Father, we thank you for your benevolent love. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness towards us. We thank you, Lord God, for your reliability. We thank you that today we can call you immutable. We can have confidence in everything that you promised. You told us that not one of all of the precious promises that you've given to Israel have failed. And we know you said in your word that heaven and earth will pass away. but Your words will never pass away. And Lord God, you don't just speak a word, but you also have power. And Lord, you have integrity to perform what you said you would do. You said, Lord God, the word that proceeds out of your mouth, it won't come back unproductive. But you said that it will bring to pass the things that you have spoken for it to do. And today we thank you for all things. You bless every person that's hurting today all across Uganda those that are in New Zealand and Australia our listeners that are in the Philippines and Puerto Rico those who are in Germany and France and Spain you touch them in a mighty way those who are throughout the Caribbean and Canada all of our listeners here in the United States to every corner in this world let the spirit of liberty the spirit of freedom Let it prevail today. You bless that person that's hungry today. You feed them, God. Lord, you give strength and hope to that person that's walking in fear, that person that's about to give up, that's contemplating suicide, God. Shine your light. Let them see that you're the light of the world. Lord, you give them strength for tomorrow. Touch them now, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And we're so mindful of the words that were spoken by Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin said that just half of a truth is nothing more than a big, giant lie. Adam Schiff said, right matters. Truth matters. And he says, without truth, we're lost and I'm mindful of the words that were spoken by Blaise Pascal. He said that truth has become so obscure today and falsehoods have become so well established that unless you love the truth, he says, you can't even know it. And We thank God for this Truth Matters podcast. And today we're going to be embarking upon a very important topic entitled Masonry, a secret darkness. The scriptures tell us in St. John 18 and 20, I want you to listen. Jesus said, in secret, I have said nothing. And as we begin to pull back the onion skin and the layers of masonry, a secret darkness, we must understand that the very concept of masonry is contrary to the character of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ declared in St. John 18 and 20, I don't deal in secrets. And in secret I don't and I have said nothing. And I can remember personally back in 1996 while visiting San Antonio, Texas, I toured that very notable landmark called the Alamo. I'm sure many of you have visited and been there. I remember I was on the outside walls and of course it was hot there so I sat up under the shade and I was sitting near the outer walls and as I was sitting on the outer wall I saw an inscription on the outer wall and said this was dedicated by the Freemasons of Texas. I said wow the Freemasons way back then were involved in something as notable as the Alamo. And I was struck by the tremendous penetration of such an organization that they had and that they gripped on American history. So I was curious to see how resolute and and just how resolute masonry was in our country and in our world. And we at Truth Matters, we've discovered that the very fabric of our country has been permeated by Masonic teachings. I want you all to take note here. Many of our country's founding fathers were devout masons. Truth Matters has discovered that George Washington, our first president was a Mason, along with James Buchanan, James Garfield, Warren Harding, Andrew Jackson, William McKinley, James Monroe, James Polk, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, William Taft, and recently Gerald Ford. They were Masons and along with Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin along with Alexander Hamilton they were all Masons as well as Daniel Koch I think it's very significant to remember that even during our country's Civil War battle at Gettysburg you know that very famous Abraham Lincoln message called the Gettysburg Address it is documented that after the battle of Gettysburg and I visited Gettysburg many times it talks about how the Yanks and the Rebs they mingled as brothers under the Masonic symbol of a square and a compass just think about that, we just got through shooting and killing and murdering each other in one of the most egregious and bloody battles in our nation's history and even after that battle yanks and ribs they join arms and what caused them to join arms in the aftermath of such callous and catastrophic murder and death was their masonic brotherhood see our very structure and national symbols are tainted with masonic emblems The selection of the very eagle as our national symbol and the design of our currency is bursting with Masonic symbols. You all can see the dollar. You see that the eagle is on one side and then on the back side you see where you have the the actual symbol of of masonry and you have the pyramid there and the all-seeing eye. All of those things are Masonic symbols. Recently The Masonic publication entitled The Royal Ark listed Earl Warren, you know, the famous Warren report. He was the one who was selected to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. He is a Mason. Also, Edgar Hoover, who was the head of the FBI, he even elevated to the position of a 33 degree or the highest degree of Masonry as was Alabama Governor George Wallace. In the magazine also listed 53 senators and 184 members of the House of Representatives as being Masons. Many of our military comrades in arms were Masons. I recall how many I knew, and I knew many of them when I was active duty, especially overseas. They learned to perform certain gestures and postures to signal to other masons that they were also brothers or sisters uh, brothers uh, and members of the family of the lodge see being a mason was an advantage in many promotion board proceedings and assignments i can remember coaching our unit basketball team and my team captain uh, sergeant Crowder. i remember him very clearly During the game, he said, hey, coach, I want you to hold my ring. And so, you know, me not thinking anything about Masonry, I put it on my finger and and didn't realize it was a Masonic ring. Many people approached me during the game in Hanau, you know, in Hanau, Germany, as if they thinking that I was a Mason brother. And afterwards, when I gave the ring back to Sergeant Kraut, he saw I had it on my finger. He asked me if I wore it forwards or if I wore it backwards. And I said, I don't remember. He says, well, the way that you wear the ring, whether it's forward or backwards, will indicate to others that you were an active mason. See, many many soldiers back then, they, they obtained favorable actions by other masons. And how did they get that? It was based upon their relationship. And it was also based upon their, were uh, if they were members or if they had a relationship with the lodge. Now, years after that, I remember in 2007, I was working in Orlando, Florida. And as I was in a business, I was approached by a returnal, a retired colonel. And as we talked, you know, he's he greeted me and I shook his hand. And when I shook his hand, the normal way to, you know, put my whole palm in his hand and and squeeze his hand with a firm handshake, he pushed me back with his fingers and he pulled back with his hands, and he shook my hand with a half grip, the Masonic half grip handshake. And while he was doing that, he asked me if I was a traveling man, which is a common question to determine if you are a Mason brother. I explained to him, I said, no, I'm not a traveling man. And his response to me was that I should get with him for information. Because he thought that I would be a good candidate. And so many who call themselves Christians don't realize that they are dabbling in a covert version and repackaged presentation of mystery religion. Stay tuned. We're going to make sure that we affirm this in this Truth Matters podcast. From every corner of the world, there's a pervasive and presence of this secret movement called masonry. If you drive your car to any small town in America, you'll see a sign that informs you that there is a Masonic Lodge in that town. Every year, there are Shriners parades and events from coast to coast. I'm sure you all have even seen the Shriners commercials on TV. They have on their purplish hat with the tassel hanging to the side, and they may have on uh their top, their vest and with emblems and awards and different degrees and platitudes in relationship with the Shriners. And we see the symbol of masonry on the bumpers of cars every day. Masonry is so influential that it is supported by the largest Protestant organization in the world. Who is that? The SBC or the Southern Baptists headquartered right here in Georgia. See, Truth Matters is contacting the Southern Baptist with a strong condemnation for endorsing an anti-biblical and Christ-defaming organization such as Masonry. So as we and as we really uh, move further into our into our exposition and examination of Masonry, we think it's very important that we really understand what is the 411 of this pervasive and secret organization. And so during these Exposition's Truth Matters is going to answer the questions and provide vital information about Freemasonry. What are some of them? What's the origin and history of Freemasonry? What are, what are its symbols and its structure today? What does Masonry really teach? Is Masonry a religion? We're also going to cover who is the God within Masonry. And then finally, the most important question is, should a Christian be a Mason? So let's go ahead and jump into the Masonic origin and its history. See, Freemasonry is known under several names. It's called the Craft. It's called the Brotherhood. It's also known as the Order or the Lodge. The history of the Lodge is not easily discernible. There are many who believe that the Craft is an outgrowth of the ancient mystery schools or that it was first associated with the Druids or the Illuminati. See, the craft can be traced back to many of the pagan practices of Egypt. There are parallels to the pagan god Ra and the sun god Tammuz. And the Scottish and the York rites can be traced to the 16th century where pagan rituals were always performed. The secret societies were formed to control society and to influence religious freedom. I want you to hear that. These societies were formed to control society and influence religious freedom. Albert Pike in his book Morals and Dogma*, says, Masonry has taken its logical place as the unifier of all religions. What? The unifier of all religions? Is Christianity included in that? Certainly it is. Listen to the words of Foster Bailey, who was an occultist and a 32nd degree Mason. He says, Masonry is all that remains of the first world religion. In other words, Masonry has its roots in the same sources as the mystery religions of the world that brought on the wrath of the Hebrew God of the Old Testament, and the craft is now preparing the way for the revival of the same religion of the ancients. Did you hear me? In 1717 through 1738, James Anderson presented a Constitutions in England. This was the first formal structure and doctrine of Masonry. There are four lodges, you know, there were only four lodges formed back in 1717. The craft grew and grew and was transported to America by European masons. Adam Weishaupt, he formed a major facet of masonry in Bavaria, Germany in 1776. By 1776, there was an already 80 to 100 lodges in the United States. Do you all see this exponential growth? At a celebration of the Festival of St. John the Baptist in 1844 in Portland, Maine, Mason brother Turlan, a member of the Grand Lodge in Texas, observed, Texas is emphatically a Masonic country. They considered Texas a country back then. All of our presidents our vice presidents and four-fifths of our state officials were all or all Masons. He wanted to say that the state flag, the Lone Star, was chosen from among the emblems selected by Freemasonry. What was the reason for that? To illustrate the state's moral virtues they chose the five-pointed star and alludes to the five points of Masonic Fellowship. I suppose this explains how Masons were so involved in the dedication of the Alamo. See, Masonry has influenced many events in our country's history. Confederate General Lou Wallace was a Mason, as was writer Eller- Edgar Allan Poe. We already mentioned that President Warren Harding and President Harry Truman were, masonry, were masons. Masonry has heavily entrenched within the structure of our country's formation and symbols. The dollar bill has the eagle. That is a symbol of the eagle with 13 feathers. It also has 13 arrows. The eagle is the only creature that can look directly into the sun which is an allusion to the sun god, Ra, or Tamas. So that's why we selected the eagle as our national symbol. See, the pyramid with, all its, all, with its all-seeing eye represents the grand architect of the universe. These are all Masonic symbols. The inscription on the dollar, Novus Ordo Secrorum, means new world order. The intent of masonry was to establish the new world order of religious systems. Well, what's so significant about that? Because the old system of Jesus Christ in the Bible has to be replaced. See, the mason sees the pyramid as the most perfect and sublime architectural project man has ever accomplished. The all-seeing eye on top of the pyramid represents God, the grand architect of the universe. See, this eye with the radiating glow around it is a symbol of the Sun God Ra, or Tamas of mystery religion. Don't ever get this twisted. Remember, Masonry is nothing but a repackaging of the original old mystery religion that God destroyed through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Within the lodge you will find over the seat of the most worshipful master a large G that stands for the God of Masonry. The decade between 1826 and 1836 represented troublesome years for the Masonic Order. How did that happen? See, a growing anti-Masonic sentiment began to emerge. And as a result, there was a major exodus from Masonry by many Christians. Thank God for that. There was a natural vacuum that was created as a result, which was quickly filled by pagans. During this time, Albert Pike seized the opportunity to spread and entrench his pagan interpretation of the craft. Hmm. Let's talk about some of those Masonic symbols and structure. There is a great deal of secrecy in Freemasonry. From the very beginning, the entered apprentice is kept in the shadows regarding the full meaning of the symbols of the craft. He is not offered any further understanding until he has proven himself worthy to receive deeper truths. Not only is a Mason to be kept in secret and kept away from the secrets of the lodge, but he is to swear oaths accompanied by severe penalties if he ever chooses to reveal them, according to Carl Claudy, a former Grand Master of Masons. He said the Masonic penalties are intended to inspire terror in the candidate. Claudy states that if the candidate breaks his oath, he will experience the abasement that any man would feel when he has broken a solemn pledge. But even more so, he would experience the wrath of God blaspheme, the horror of sin, which there is none greater. See that statement by Carl Clawley epitomizes the misinformation that the Mason often must endure. The idea that God recognized and opposed the Mason's oath to a pagan God is simply a, not a biblical precept. However, the biblical mandate for the believer is to not swear at all. But he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. For what is more than this is from the evil one. That's what the scripture tells us. Within Masonry there are two prominent rites or orders, the Scottish rite and the York rite. Within the Scottish rite, there are ancient and accepted rites. This is the most prevalent of the rites. The structure is as follows. Listen to this and take notes. The ancient rites are the entered apprentice, the fellow craft, and the master mason. Truth matters would be negligent to proceed any further in our exposition today without really giving more information concerning what's happening with these particular rites. Now, I want you to to be very, very observant here. We're going to present a capsular narrative to the initiation of the apprentice candidate. Here's what happens when a person gets initiated when they get ready to go what is called the Blood Oaths or the Blue Degrees, which is the first, second, and third degrees of masonry. Here's how the initiation will go. The lodge, Tyler, he prepares the candidate in a room outside of the lodge room where he is to be initiated by divesting him of all metal articles. The candidate removes his outer clothing until he stands in socks, his left shoe, and trousers and shirt only. His shirt is unbuttoned to reveal his left breast. His right sleeve is rolled up to reveal the elbow. His left trouser leg is rolled up above the knee and a slipper is placed on his unshod foot. Then a a hangman's noose is then placed around his neck, the end of the rope hanging down behind him. Then he's blindfolded. He is then led by the tiler to the door of the lodge, and the tiler knocks. Now the inner guard moving with the prescribed step and making the first degree sign says, Brother Junior Warden, there is a report. After several ritual responses, the inner guard opens the door and asks the Tyler, Whom have you there? And then the Tyler will say, I have Mr. John Smith or Larry. A poor candidate is in a state of darkness. Imagine that. The candidate is in a state of darkness from the Masonic perspective. And what's the objective? That he come to the light. And then he says, this candidate who has been well and worthily recommended, regularly proposed and approved in an open lodge is now comes of his own free will and a court properly prepared, humbly soliciting to be admitted to the mysteries and privileges of Freemasonry. There follow several repetitious exchanges and the inner guard places the point of a dagger to the candidate's left breast. And he is asked, do you feel anything? And the candidate replies, yes. And the inner guard raises the dagger in the air. And the still blindfolded candidate is led by the right hand by the junior deacon to the kneeling stool before the worshipful master, who then addresses the candidate for the first time. Candidate Mr. Smith As no person can be made a mason unless he is free and of mature age, I demand of you. Are you a free man in a full age of 21 years? And the candidate responds, I am. Thus assured, I will thank you to kneel while the blessings of heaven is invoked on your proceedings. The candidate kneels. The brethren move the prescribed manner the lodge deacons crossing their wands above the candidate's head while the worshipful master or the chaplain prays aloud. And after they pray, during the ceremony the candidate is required to adhere to the blood oaths. What are the blood oaths? The first is called the jubilee. And he repeats, Oh, that my throat had been cut across, my tongue torn out, and my body buried in the rough sands of the sea at low watermark, where the tide ebbs and the flows twice in 24 hours. Here I had been accessory to the death of so good a man as our Grand Master Hyrum Abiff." And then they repeat the second one. The second is called the Jubilo. Oh that my heart breasts had been torn open and my heart and vitals taken from thence and thrown over my left shoulder carried into the valley of Jehoshapheth, and there be and there to become prey to the vital wild beast of the field and the vultures of the air, here I had conspired, the dead of so good a man as our grand Master Hyderram Abif. And then the third the Jubalum, oh that my body had been severed into in the midst and divided to the north and the south my bowels burnt to ashes in the center and that the ashes scattered by the four winds of heaven and that there might not the least track of remembrance remain among men or masons of so vile and perjured a wretch as i am O Jubala and jubilo it was i that struck him harder than you both it was i that gave him the fatal blow It was I that killed him outright. And I think it's so important to know that these blood oaths that are giving during this ceremony are giving as a result of the exaltation of Hiram Habif. And the question is, well, who is Hiram Habif? The Bible tells us that Hiram was the son of a widow and a man of Tyre. He was also a member of the tribe of Naphtali. Hiram was highly skilled in working with bronze and stone. He was therefore chosen by King Solomon to provide ornate decorations for the new temple that was being built in Jerusalem. And so today we thank you for uh, giving ear and listening to this exposition of Freemasonry, and we're just giving a background of its origin and structure, and some of the degrees and some of the rites that are part of the initiations of the structure of Freemasonry. And we will continue in our next podcast on the 4th through the 14th to the 33rd degrees of Masonry. Now, God bless you. You pray for us that we will be bold and that we will be vigilant as we stand to reveal the truth about Masonry. Because today it's so important to know that truth really matters.